Welcome to the Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan. Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills Resort, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austin's Golf. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Now, let's head to the first tee. This guy's pretty good. And here's your host, Jeff Kolpak. And this is the first tee. This is Jeff Kolpak. Thanks again for listening along on this edition of the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Ultra. From the KK Marine and Power Sports Studios. A little housekeeping from last week. We have to first of all congratulate Tim Vipon. He is the winner of the Orange Whip Trainer that uh, we gave away on this show last Saturday through the the text club. So congratulations to Tim, and thanks again to the Orange Whip folks for their generosity with the trainer. I love that trainer. I use it all the time, and um, it's been a very popular project, not only countrywide but nationwide. Later in the show, Russ Nelson is going to join us. Russ has been around the business for a few years. He has a milestone this year. We're going to talk to Russ about his career and and how life at Village Green Golf Course is treating him, and uh, look forward to that. But first, we'll start with Chris Larson. Chris is the head professional at Morehead Country Club, who uh, always has um, visionary stuff going on over at the club, and I always enjoy talking to Chris. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good, good. Really good. Thanks for having me. Well, Appreciate abs- it. Absolutely. Well, let's, um, we have a, something to announce here, I think, and we like to break news on the golf show, and especially with an exciting event coming this summer, it is the Red River Valley Amateur, but there really is more than to it than that. Uh, WITV is going to uh, do some little broadcasting of it, and not little. It's going to be a major major uptaking. Chris, uh, describe where we're at with the show and, and the tournament. What's going on? Holy cow. Well, how much time do we have? Well, we got <laughs> as much as you need, brother. Okay, perfect. Well, this uh, this turn most people know the tournament as the as the KX4, and then since that it it changed hands to Blackridge for a couple of years. Now it is newly coined the Red River Amateur Championship. Mm-hmm. So nice clean name. Um, and uh, yeah, what's not going on? We've got <laughs> uh, in a, a large amateur field, a uh, a senior element to it as well. And then a lot of people that remember the old uh, Pro-Am days were bringing back, not necessarily a Pro-Am, but it's, we're calling it the two-man, mm-hmm. and it's open. It's a low-scratch event. It can be a Pro-Pro, a Pro-Am, an Am-Am, um, but it's a nice way to kind of mix up the, uh, the golfing community and have a fun time. The low, 10, the low 10 teams then get into a shootout at the end and... and uh, the five-hole shootout, and then we, we uh, crown the champion. And then Saturday, Sunday, which is Father's Day weekend, that's the amateur, um, and that's the same format as we've had for a long time, and that's uh, 36 holes, low stroke play, and there is a lot of fun stuff that's going along with it. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a ruckus weekend, and we're so incredibly thankful to having WDAY and all of our partners uh, alongside us, and, and it's just going to be an absolute spectacle. 
So, so WDY TV will, will televise the June 20th, which is the last day of the tournament, right, on Sunday. Right. It'll be from 10 to noon on the Extra Channel and then noon to 3 on WDAY TV ABC across the entire state of North Dakota. The Extra reaches statewide, too. This is not a little tape event and, and do and do something and, and air it that night. We are going live. We are doing it like the regular networks. We're going to do the best we can with all the technology available. And I know I think this probably started when we did the, and I, we mean in the DAY TV folks, did the Bell Bank Presents Forward uh, event last year with uh, Amy Olson and, and Tom Hoagie. That, so it started there, and that was a taped event. Now we're going live. So, Chris, this is getting, a little, it's getting a little serious, isn't it? Yeah, this is. Uh, we are absolutely stoked with uh, what WDAY decided to put together, and you know, talking with these guys, you know, we were, were like, you know, what are the chances that we can do this this live? And then you know, Josh Rohr at uh, WDAY was like, listen, we can do this, we can do that, and and then before we know it, we're talking about putting like scaffolding on eighteen. We got a jumbotron going out on hole number eleven. Like there is some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. going on right now and um we are just absolutely elated with um the direction it's going and if if you're not playing in it you definitely got to come out and watch it because it's going to just be it's going to be so awesome well, i'm told i'm part of the broadcast team so i'm going to be out on the course with one, yes. of, the, one of the groups yes. uh, well i need to practice my you know my best peter costas like uh uh, is that uh, who you're trying to embody? I don't know. <laughs> well, uh, not a good lie there, Bob. But uh, let's, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I think he's got a uh, got a chance here with a, a five iron, maybe a cut four. Back to you. So, <laughs> see, I see. I would think you'd be going more towards the Faraday type in embodiment there. I would think that you'd be more of like the 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 one liner and and trying to kind of rib some of the players as they're playing. Well, yeah, that David Faraday's tremendous. <laughs> He's tremendous. <laughs> well, and then with that, did you did you hear who's going to be joining you? No. Who? So Greg McCullough. Okay. Greg McCullough. All right. And uh, and uh, Matt Cook, the uh, the oh boy, the, uh, what's my tea time podcast yeah. boys are yep. going to be out there uh, doing their thing. So they're they're pretty excited. And then also. Uh, Hall of Famer, local legend uh, Larry Murphy is oh, going to be out there awesome. as well doing awesome. his thing. So I, I think I need to guard against what I really think out there. Like, um, you know, say some, you know, Johnson, he's really breaking up. He's play, his game is falling to pieces. Back to you <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> or he has no we chance of getting we out of this time, rough. We yeah, got time to hone that in. Yeah, he's got a tree in front of him. Uh, good luck on this. Back to you. So, you know, speaking of, I, I actually uh, went through some. The, 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 I found a list of top ten golf commentators. Number ten, Nick Faldo, and feel free, Chris, to pipe in on any of these you like. Nine, Dottie Pepper, she's really good. Uh, number eight, Peter Costas, like I just mentioned. Number yep. seven, um, who's a seven? Uh, Vern Lundquist, of course, a veteran. Six, Roger Maltby, Mal- Roger Maltby, the lovable grandpa on the course, is all the players. Yep. Five, Gary Cook. Four is uh, Johnny Miller. I don't know about that. I think he's okay. Questionable. Yeah. That's a, you got to have a controversial pick in there. Yeah, yeah, three, Peter Alice. I don't know about that one either. And uh, You don't know about Peter Alice? Well, yeah, no, I don't. I mean, what, what's really? the story on him? Like, that would – well, Peter Alice, I mean, gosh, they, there's so many uh, There's so many things where – He's um, he's commentated, and I've fallen asleep too. I mean, he's got that, that <laughs> yeah. really low droning. He's got yeah, and he's got the accent and everything. Yeah, and I guess maybe I, I fell know. asleep I think to him. 
He's he's historic, though. Yeah. I think you got to love Peter Atlas. Yeah, two and one. I think you could go back and forth. Jim Nance is two, and David Faraday is one. I, I just love Faraday to me is just tremendous. Uh, the golf show. And McCord's not in there. No, no, he's not in there either. He got exiled from the Masters and the Top Ten. Yeah, exactly. Where are you going to be in this uh, in this whole production? So I get to be the behind the scenes guy, you know, okay. since it's we're hosting Moorhead Country Club, you know, so I get to be the uh, I'm part of the the tournament committee. I make sure that you know that the eyes are dotted and the T's are crossed, and that you know we've got a well run event. Um, I I get to do a little bit of stuff in the in the booth with the guys and and uh, give my input, but for the most part, you know, we have to make sure that with a you know field of uh, you know, potentially 196 golfers mm-hmm. that we have to um, have a well-run event. So that's that's what I'll be doing. That's awesome. Is the course going to see any changes? Are you going to put any stands? Are you going to groom the greens so nobody can putt? And what are you going to do? <laughs> so no one can putt. That would be an issue if no one yeah. can putt. But as far as the golf course is concerned, you know, it's going to play. We like to think at Moorhead Country Club, we play it, you know, championship level all the time there's yep. not going to be one um event that rolls in here that we're automatically going to groom it better than um what the members get to play it as and okay. that's a testament to you know the the grounds crew and and our superintendent ryan ingles you know mm-hmm. he just always has this at a high level so um so players can expect uh fast greens they can expect you know um a difficult setup the thing that, you know, I'm I'm a disciple of Larry Murphy. I like seeing guys shoot good scores. Yeah. I like seeing mm-hmm. guys. Um, I'm not a USGA guy where, you know, the U.S. Open, we we trick this thing out and par's a good number. Um, I'd love to see a guy come out and shoot 68, 67, you know. Um, so as far as the, there's not going to be any tricks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a welcoming golf course. However, Moorhead Country Club, it's, it's a – not a huge golf course, but it par does tend to hold up anyway. Um, you know, in years past, if you're hovering around par, you're in the mix. So um, as far as course setup is concerned, it's it's going to be solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be treacherous, I wouldn't say, although the back nine is just treacherous by default. Um, and then as far as things that are going to get set up on the course, that may add some elements of interest. You'd have um, – yeah, everyone's kind of geeking out over the the jumbotron that's going out <laughs> on hole number eleven. Mm-hmm. That's that's going to be the watch party. Okay. Um, so uh, Bergseth uh, distribution distribution is going to come out and bring their um, their tap trailer. There's going to be a beer garden out there, uh, so players can see all the all the live broadcast and stuff that's going to be pumped to the jumbotron out there, along with any of the. Uh, um, the information that may be coming from hole 13 as hole 13 is going to be our track man long drive hole. So the broadcast and, and players alike will be able to see their data in real time. It's just wild what, nice. what we're, what we've got out on the golf course. So between the, the player interaction and, and also the, the spectator experience, there's going to be a lot of really fun things going on out here. So. Chris Larson is the head professional at Moorhead Country Club. He joins us on the golf show with Jeff Kopak as presented by Michelob Ultra. We're going to take a break. When we come back, more with Chris, and we'll talk about the Moorhead Country Club and what's going on this summer in Moorhead. Stay with us. Back after this. Welcome back. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the golf show on The Fan, 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. 
The website is 740thefan.com. Chris Larson, the head professional at Morad Country Club, is the guest. Again, as we talked last segment, the Red River Amateur June 20th weekend, Father's Day weekend, the final round will be televised by WDAY-TV. It's not just for an hour or two. We're televising it from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. So that'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. Chris, uh, you guys are not afraid to try anything at the Moorhead Country Club. I know you've done other things. You've got the you've done the scooters. I don't know if you still have those, the, the caddy scooters. Oh, yeah. You still have those. Why do you do that? Why oh, yeah, is it important just... to keep things you know keep things fresh? Well, you know, um, gosh, well, it's flat out. It's just important to keep it fresh, just because mm-hmm. golf for a long time not this weird COVID window we've had where there's been a, a huge resurgence in golf. But prior to that, you know, we were kind of, we were kind of uh, on the decline. Um, I hate to say it. And um, golf administrators like myself and, and uh, we, we need to find ways to, to make golf more inviting, more approachable um, appeal to the masses. Right. And so the scooters, well, they're just, they're fun, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're a new way to, you know, when we want to market them, people will say, well, they increase pace of play and it's, it's a great way to get single riders out there. That's true, but bottom line, they're just, they're fun, you know, and that's, we need more of that in golf. We need, we need less uh, of the, put a score down on the scorecard and we need more of the, the families coming out. We need more of the, the, the entry level um, uh, entry points to the game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the scooters just kind of embody that, that, um, it's a uh, it's an easy way to get get people out there. Like you know, what I mean, yeah, it may not be great yeah. at golf, but I think I want to do that. <laughs> I right. think I, I think I want to play and ride on a scooter. So that's where it came from. Is there a line between the traditional old club and maybe the new way of doing things that you had to cross? Was it a general feeling that let's just you said membership maybe needed a, a little boost? And and really, we're having uh, we're in a great period now in golf in the industry. I believe. For sure. Um, so yeah, first part of your question there is, you know, was there, was there a point at which I needed to, I, I felt the need to uh, try something new. Is that, mm-hmm. is that where you're going yeah, with that? Exactly. Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm one to kind of think differently, I think. And that's not, that's neither a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've loved golf for the, the sake of like being outside and, and, enjoying the the camaraderie of other people. And I, the fact that, you know, we kind of get lost along the way with even the, the typical club atmosphere and the, and the, the, the stringent rules of, of what golf is, we kind of get misguided there. You know, and the root of it is we're just, we're just out having fun. Um, we're out just enjoying nature. And, and the more that we can promote that, and that's kind of, that's my cultures, right? You know, like how can we, promote more fun and um, just the root of enjoyment out on the golf course. How can we do that? So mm-hmm. um, I tend to think less about the, the stringent rules of a social club or a private club type atmosphere. And sometimes I'm, sometimes I'm swimming upstream on that. And I've struck out plenty of times in some of my ideas, but um, some of them have worked pretty well. So uh, if I just kind of keep in, keep in, uh, mind that I'm, I'm just trying to promote golf and promote fun and, and really just grow enjoyment. Yeah. It's generally a, a pretty good barometer. 
But I think you knew that, though. I think you knew that when we talked on this show maybe two, three years ago, that when you try these things, you were going to strike out. That's just the way it is. You're not going to bat a thousand. No, you're, you know, the the thing, yeah, you're 100% right. That when you try stuff, that's what you're trying, you're experimenting. And um, I think that if with golf, when, when it's in that kind of constriction or it's, it's in that, that um, really tight view, um, I, I think we need to really go outside of our typical box and, and think of, you know, how can we pull in, what are other sports doing? What are, what are other activities doing? How can we translate that? What is, what is working and how can we translate that to golf? Um, that's kind of a, I guess a global concept more than, more than just, yeah. um, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I'll be honest. I mean, the thought of, of music from a golf cart back a, a long, you know, a long time ago and not so long, long ago was just disgusting to me. I, you can't play music. I'm playing golf. No, not at Bushwood. Yeah. No. but now I don't care. I don't right. mind. It's, it's it's fine. If somebody wants to play music, oh yeah, I don't care. I'm a. I'm not good enough. Yeah, but mean, b. Uh, yeah, let's let's have some fun. We just rolled out brand new golf carts uh, this year at MCC, and you know they're they're equipped with. And I it wasn't like on my grocery or on my shopping list here, but you know they came with Bluetooth and and uh, and FM radio and no stuff. Way. And yeah. Oh. You, you're, yeah, but you're a hundred percent right. 10 years ago, that's something that it just wasn't really in our scope. Right. And yeah. now it, I was just speaking with uh, one of the pros down in South Dakota, uh, Moxon Creek. And he's like, how many speakers do you sell here? Or <laughs> he actually was asking me, this was funny. He was actually asking me about the golf carts and why we did Bluetooth and that FM radio. I was like, you know, honestly, that's just the way they come And, and he was like, God, that's going to really infringe on your speaker sales. And I was like, what? How many speakers do you sell? And he's like, geez, we sell like 30 or 40 speakers a year. I'm like, mm. wow. I mean, the, the type of things that are happening in some of these successful clubs, successful golf courses, you know, you see that um, these administrators are able to pivot. You know, they're able to, um, take an idea or take a concept and, and really spin it and make it their own. So, well, I, th- I think we've um, seen Augusta. We've seen Augusta modernize itself, and mainly with its yeah. attitudes and, and with society. 100%. Yeah, Augusta. And then even I just saw Pine Valley, too, is, you know, they're finally coming out of the dark ages and allowing women to, um, you know, join as, as members. And, you know, that's, that is about time, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But, uh, the fact is, you know, they're, they're understanding that, yeah, they, there needs to be a modern way of doing things now. Right. Um, so a couple of minutes left with Chris Larson, head professional at Moorhead country club here on the golf show with Jeff Kopak, seven forty the fan, one Oh seven point three FM and seven forty the fan.com. You can always catch the podcast on inform.com after the show is over. How's the, how's the course? How did it come through the winter? Uh, you know, golf course is fantastic. Um, I would think everybody in this area is doing a pretty darn good job because, you know, we had a great mild winter. Um, there's no winter kill on the golf course, which was a little bit of a concern since, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of snow cover for the majority of the year. But uh, again, kudos to Ryan Ingalls and his staff. I mean, the, the golf course, the greens are great. They roll, they, the fairways came out great. Uh, it's really fun coming to work right now and you start seeing a new shade of green every day. So the trees are budding. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's really nice to be out here. So, 
Do you feel like you have any improvements you need to make in the future? Do you have anything on the drawing board, or do you feel like uh, you're rolling about as well as you want? Well, as far as the golf course is concerned, the, the big priority right now is is bunkering. There's a, there's a bunker renovation um, project that's uh, that's trying to catch flight right now. Um, so we're all we're all really excited about that and um, those that play out of the sand quite a bit. Myself. So, uh, and as far as the the clubhouse, it's super exciting to be around the clubhouse right now because we're finally uh, putting some putting some drawings together and looking at uh, what an exterior renovation for the clubhouse would look oh, like. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's that's going to be a really big deal. You know, nothing is nothing is set in stone uh, right now. But as far as the the clubhouse is concerned, I mean, that, that was original from 1970. 1972 something like that so um just like everybody you know it's, it's time for mcc to get with the times too so man i remember the old old clubhouse in the woods to the south yeah that so i i vaguely remember that because um that didn't actually come down i think until the early 90s is when that actually came down it was on the historical register but that was that was quite a piece of property. That was an old works project, actually. Yeah, that's right. WPA. So yeah, it, yeah. Um, we do have some we do have some black and white pictures in the golf shop, and <laughs> the members some of the members come in and go, "Gosh, why is what is that?" And I go, "That's the old clubhouse." You like, are you kidding me? Because the whole back was just all this, you know, big field stone. It was a really pretty building from the from the riverside. So. Yeah, it'd be nice to kind of take some of that design element and put it in the new exterior, but we'll see. Yeah, I used to go over there with my dad whenever he covered tournaments back in the day, and so we'd be wandering around, and that's when Larry Murphy was like 18 years old, you know, and, and doing things. <laughs> but, so still look the same, by the way. I know, I know. He's he's amazing. Actually, the one the one photo I have on the on my phone of my father was from the Mord Country Club. I don't know. He's he's on the course. With a big old mesh hat, you know, it's like way too big, and it's like such a '70s thing. I'm just going, oh man, Dad. I guess, uh, I guess that was the what we wore at the times. Chris, uh, hey, thanks again for joining the show. Again, uh, the Red River Va- Red River Valley Amateur. It's going to be an exciting weekend. We're going to do more about that on this show as the awesome. as the tournament uh, comes up, you know, closer. And uh, look forward to it. I always, again, Chris, I always appreciate you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And and also, if you haven't done so already, check out the website, www.rrac.golfgenius.com. That's for the Red River Amateur Championship. That's how players can get registered, and you can see the schedule of events. Okay, can you say that again? Say that again, so in case somebody's reaching for a pen there. Yeah, it is www.rrac.golfgenius.com. R-R-A-C. Yep. That is Red River Amateur Championship. Okay, great. Thanks, Chris. Have a good day. You bet. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. That's Chris Larson, the head professional at the Morehead Country Club. This is the Golf Show with Jeff Kopak, as presented by Michelob Ultra, in the KK Marine, KRK Marine and Power Sports Studios. We're going to take a break. When we come back, just on the other side, Russ Nelson from Village Green Golf Course in Morehead. Stay with us. Welcome back. This is the Golf Show. It's presented by Michelob Ultra. This is Jeff Kopak. Thanks again for Chris Larson for joining the show. 
Again, that is the Red River Valley Amateur Father's Day weekend will be televised by WDY TV. That'll be exciting live by WDY TV. As I said before, heading into the second half of the show here at KRK Marina and Power Sports Studios, Russ Nelson from Village Green Golf Course uh, has been around a couple years, and I believe Russ has a milestone this year. I'm not sure, but we got to connect right now. Russ, good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Now, did I get my signal right? Thirty? Is this your 35th year? Yes. It is. Well, congratulations. Is that uh, that's a milestone? Is it not? Uh, yeah. I I I I, uh, I don't look at it that way. It's just, I'm, I'm Walter Alston, one year at a time. Yeah, very cool. Um, I, I ran into somebody who gave me the story, and I, I want you to repeat it if you could. That how you actually got into golf. It had something to do with um, way back when you were catting at the Fargo Country Club, or you're the bowler, or something like that. Uh, maybe you could relate that story, how you got into the business and how you got into the game of golf, I guess. Well, um, up until third grade, uh, we lived in, in the kind of the middle of Fargo. We were in the Clara Barton district, and my, uh, we moved to the uh, Park Drive, which is the, the road that is just south of the I-94. Mm-hmm. Well, I discovered the bowler, and, and so when we moved there that fall, I was walking across the golf course walking to the bowler and I walked across the golf course which I'd never seen a golf course before and some some guy goes hey hey, hey do you want a caddy and I said I don't know what that is but yes he said I'll pay you like a dollar or two dollars whatever he said yep. well, it happened to be during the men's all city because it was Labor Day weekend I didn't know that at the time but that's what it was and of course the, the, that was on the old front nine where the second green where NW and Golf and Ski Shack was that, that's where the second green was and mm-hmm. I'm walking across there and on my way to the bowler, well, yeah, I got after I got done caddying, I went straight to the bowler, and boy, I was I was a happy guy. <laughs> so how did yeah. that fall? Then that that fall, I knew golf. They said it's not going to be much work in the fall, so I went back out there that spring, and and I was hooked. So caddying for a dollar started a life in golf. Think about that. Yep, yep. I I I was caddying there. If I wasn't playing baseball, I was caddying. They would only let us play on Monday mornings, but I could only golf. You know, Monday mornings, you had caddies had to be off the course by noon. But because I lived out there on my way across, I figured out that this part three course had opened, and they didn't monitor that quite as well. So I kind of, I wasn't sneaking. They knew I was out there, but, you know, I, I did I did get to play the part three, which is really where I learned to play golf, was on the, the part three at the park under club. Well, let's start there. Why is it important to have these part three courses and small courses for kids to develop? Because that's where you probably picked up your love of the game. Why is that so essential to a community? Well, it would be my analogy would be if you if you start everybody on a double black diamond ski ski hill, I don't think you'd have a lot of skiers. Right. And and it, you just you got to start small and and then work your way to, to the to the tougher golf course as well. In my case, I, I was so little and so small that you know I, I learned I learned golf you know, kind of backwards, right? Most most kids want to hit the driver. I, I wanted to sip and putt. And, mm-hmm. You know, once I, once I grew, then golf seemed pretty easy because I, I had that down. I just had a matter of, I, I needed more distance. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a shame that we've lost town and country and Ponderosa and, you know, yeah. those golf courses are, are essential, I think, in, in the youth golf. And, and then even the senior golfer, the, or, 
they don't want to play nine, 18 holes. They're just interested in nine holes. you got to start somewhere. They may build into that, but mm-hmm. that's, that's the start of it. So, yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're wonderful. Where did you start to really get your love for the game and really start to get better and good, and good at the game? Was that right away? Did it take a while? Because uh, you obviously developed over time and became a, a very good golfer. Well, I think I figured it out right away. But, mm-hmm. again, as I said earlier, I was so little that I, I couldn't hit the ball very far, so I, I couldn't keep up with My best friend was John Cuff. He was always one of the biggest kids in the class. He matured early. You know, he did it forever. Mm-hmm. As you well know, Georgia Goff was yep. legendary, and and uh, so I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't. If I wanted to compete with him, I I had to find a different way to compete. So, uh, really, it was me just growing and getting bigger and stronger, and that was kind of the the, the difference in in me. I mean, I you know, I was a late bloomer, so. Um, I think it worked out great. Yeah. How long did it take to catch John Goff? Describe the competition between you and him. Well, he was always better than me in high school. And, um, again, that was a size deal. I I started growing that spring golf year of my senior year. Mm -hmm. And then then in college, my freshman year, I I continued on. And he played played at UND and I played at NDSU. It was probably in the college years where I caught up to him and then and then uh, in 1977, um, we played each other in the semifinals of the of the state amateur, which I which I won beating my golf coach, Wild Hornbacker. I beat John in the semifinals that that morning. And then after beating Lyle, we both got in the car and drove to the Birchmont, slept <laughs> in a garage, and got up that morning and started the Birchmont. So, yeah, he ended up going to law school, and mm-hmm. that all worked out, and I ended up here. Yeah. That's uh, you know, that's uh, those are good times, weren't they? I mean, if you look back at it, oh, yeah. and just the, the the competition, but then when when you're done with the 18th, it's hey, how's it going? You know, good match. Uh, you know, how's it? What uh, when you look back at like, Lyle Hornbacher? There's a legendary name. Tell 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 listeners about Lyle Hornbacher. Well, Lyle's 87 years old. He's a, he's now a member at Village Green. He, he was part of the buyout. On the Oxbow, he got an earlier buyout because of his because I think that because of his age, he didn't want to wait around and wait around, so they bought him out. And when he left Oxbow, he ended up over here. So he's been over here, you know, probably six, seven, eight years, and he he plays almost every day. And and he is he's unbelievable. He he just he's one of those guys that just wants to, you know, he doesn't he wants to get better, you know. And mm-hmm. of course, he's not getting better, but. You know, a cute story on Lyle this winter. I played him. He played in our Wednesday game in Phoenix, and and so Lyle, Lyle, he said, "Well, you want a little action rest?" I said, "Yeah, I'll play for whatever you want." And <laughs> you tell me how many shots you need. And he goes, "Okay, you play the back tees. I'll play the forward tees, and I want this many shots." And so that first Wednesday, I I beat him pretty good. And then the next week, I I beat him and I went down to the final hole. And then on the third week, the wind was blowing 50 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and he beat me eight and seven. Oh, he wiped you out. He, played, he, he shot. He's eighty-seven. He shot eighty-one in that in that heavy wind, and and I, I played poorly. I, I mean, it, but it wouldn't have mattered. Lyle played so good, and, and uh, so we were driving back to the to the golf shop, and it was kind of get the sun was going down, and he goes, uh, Russ, what what time do you think it is? And I said, Well, it's about. Uh, he thought it was about about six o'clock, and I said, No, it's about. I think it's closer to six twenty. And he looks at his phone, and he 
was six seventeen, and he goes, "That's as close as you've been all day." Just <laughs> <laughs> a great line. I mean, he didn't miss a beat, and he's he's just wonderful. And he was a great, great high school coach, and mm-hmm. you know, just yep. just competes and just just he just loves it. He loves he just loves golf. It's wonderful. Russ Nelson is the guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show as presented by Michael Obaltra on 740 The Fan. Russ, for a guy to shoot his age is one thing, but to shoot his age by six shots is amazing. Have you ever seen that? Female our win. In, in those conditions, uh, that's, uh, how do you put that into words? No, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I mean, he has some things working for him, and he hits the ball really low, and mm-hmm. you, know, you can run it out in Arizona, but... I mean that was such a great score. I mean it was so windy that the, the, the some of the homes around there are trailers and the and the, the patios were blown onto the golf course. I mean they're, <laughs> they're, it was just it was we shouldn't even been out there. It was it was blowing so hard and he, you know he just he just ripped me apart. And, and that's Phoenix. You usually don't get those winds in Phoenix. I, that's that's to me is no no. This year was it was windier than just on another you know as far as Lyle you know I. I, I said earlier that he beat me. I beat him in the '77 final. Well, he turned it around in '79, and he got me pretty good up at the Minot Country Club in the final. So, so we were one and one in, in North Dakota State M final. Uh, looking back at at those at those tournaments, what what was your highlight, if you will? If you were to say this was one tournament I, I really enjoyed and and played great, what would it be? Uh, well, there's a great question. Maybe. Maybe for a different reason. Probably the that same year in '79, I I played Chris Perry in the semifinals of the uh, Pine Palm, and mm-hmm. Chris was a uh, he was uh, an All American as Ohio State, and he, had, he he was he would go on to be runner up in the U.S. Amateur and play the tour for ten or fifteen years or whatever. Yeah, um, I, I uh, that year I qualified second, and I think Chris got in through a playoff, so he beat me. I be, he beat me Saturday morning, but the night before my dad died, so I had to get up. Oh no! I, to, I didn't sleep a wink that night. I had to get up that that Sunday morning and play Chris with no sleep and mm-hmm. made six threes on the last six holes to beat me. Wow! So that was pretty memorable for for various reasons. Yeah, a so, special memory. Kind of by the one tournament. As I look back, as being I've been a pro a long time now, but mm-hmm. that I actually kind of hit. I mean, that was just such a fun tournament you'd see a lot of the same people year after year and that's maybe the only time you saw them so that was always fun russ nelson's the guest this is the golf show with jeff kopak we're going to take a break when we come back russ is the head professional at village green we're going to take a look at the course and what's ahead this summer with golfing at the more public courses we'll be back right after this And welcome back. Final segment. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show on 740 The Fan, as presented by Michelob Ultra. Russ Nelson is the guest, head professional at Village Green. Russ, Bismarck, or Bismarck, Moorhead Public Courses, to have two courses of the quality that a city that size has, I don't know if you see that very often. When you look across the landscape of golf, uh, is it pretty, I don't, I don't want to say rare, but it, it's pretty distinctful that Moorhead has the courses they do. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, if you go down south, you're usually not going to see anything close to that for this kind of affordability and conditions and accessibility. Up in the upper Midwest, you see more of it. But, I mean, you know, they have two 18-hole facilities at 40,000 people. That's, 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 yeah, that's pretty good. I, I would say 
you know, I think of a town like Aberdeen that at one time had uh, three 18-hole golfers. I don't think they do anymore, but, you know, that was probably too much. But, right. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, but I mean, I think the, one of the biggest factors here is the fact that we're away from the river and we don't have to worry about flooding. And, yep. You know, so, you know, we have, our seasons are longer because we don't have to worry about that. And uh, without as many trees, or uh, yeah, our season just longer, so that works out really nice. We've seen how the meadows, the link style course, has grown over the years since its inception. I believe in the 1990s. Whereas Village Green made its strides, certainly going from nine to 18 holes was one thing. But since then, where where has your course grown the most? Boy, I would have to say, without a doubt, it's the it's just um, the condition and of our greens probably. I think that Rick Downer, who's been here just two years less than me, is just does such a great job. And you know, I, I think if you ask anybody, I don't care if you like Village Green or do like it, but you're, you could never argue that our greens are just mm-hmm. from from day one to the till we close are so consistent. And, you know that that I think that's the biggest the biggest difference in my mind. And, and Russ, having a superintendent that you do, I mean, you guys have been around several years. How important is that with that teamwork to in the main, in the maintain of, of such a, a nice course? Well, I, it, it's just been wonderful because when you have continuity, we kind of know what, we, what we're looking for. And, you know, it isn't that we are talking all the time or that he kind of knows what I want and I kind of know what he wants. And mm-hmm. It's been a, a very quiet, nice relationship. And, you know, he just, he just does such a great job and again as i said our greens are you know they're just they're just so 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 consistent as a golfer for me I, that's one of the things i always look for is what are, what are the greens like you know, mm-hmm. i'm gonna go the layouts for one thing but what are the greens like and and uh he's, he's just great talk about the course you have junior golf correct you have men's league you have ladies league uh, give us an overview of of what people can do and expect at your course yeah we have we have a uh our junior lessons through the city are, are Monday mornings, beginning the second Monday in June that runs for six weeks. And, and we have a ladies' day that's Thursday morning that actually starts this Thursday for the kind of May through September. Our men's days, Wednesdays, kind of runs it's kind of an afternoon deal, but there's people that play in the morning, and that, that mm-hmm. starts kind of right when we open and goes until the 20th of October this year. And then uh, we also offer PJ Junior League, which um, we've been – We've been on board with that since it started probably six, seven years ago. and So that sign-up is going on as we speak, and that'll start mid, early to mid-June after school's out. And that's, that's just been a wonderful program. So, yeah, we're, we're busy. Have you seen those golfers at the PGA Junior League? Have you seen them continue in the game now that you have six, seven years of data to, to look at? Well, a kid by the name of Ian Simonitz. Oh, he's all right. First team. <laughs> yeah, so that worked out. Yeah, yeah he... Uh, yeah, he was. He's, he was. A, yeah, he was. I don't know if that was his last year of eligibility. I don't remember that. But yeah, we had quite a team that year. That that team actually made it to the regionals in Chicago, and that that was yeah, that was fun. That's not the purpose of it. You know, you don't get right. to little league baseball. Right. Get to the college, the little league World Series, but um, nice when you have a nice team. And but yeah, that that junior league. What what it does is it just gets the family involved. You know, you get these. Mm-hmm. Families that are now members here that probably wouldn't be if it wasn't for it. It really kind of snowballs, you know, revenue and mm-hmm. I, you know, when it first came out and I'm thinking uniforms and cheering, it's like yeah, it's kind of not what a golf is, but boy, it's it's just been a hit. 
was Ian really good right away? He he's committed to NDSU yeah. for the people that don't know, but and, and he's a, yeah, he, his golf swing is yeah. just so simple and yeah, it's just he's such a good kid and um, yeah, he just kept getting better and and uh, he he's not here anymore. They 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 have moved to the they're members of the Morton Country Club, so I don't see him much anymore. But mm-hmm. I, I do follow his scores and and with that golf swing, there's no question why he's, why he's done what he's done. I think NDSU's done a great job getting these kids to stay home. And and when you when you golf in the north, although they the bison travel across the country, but I think it's important to get kids who know what weather is like. And uh, hats off to Steve Kenny for doing that. How cool is it for you to? I mean, you'll be able to, at least you'll be able to follow Ian from a from a close distance here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think the when you look at the that on that note, I mean, the Amy Anderson Amy Olson deal was probably the yeah. That that was like wow because she she could have gone anywhere. I don't I don't any golf team. Oh sure. It didn't matter academic skill that she could have gone anywhere to go to NDSU was that was like a wow. I mean, good for them, you know. And and of course their teams have uh, benefited from that. And you know the the boys teams are are um, yeah they've done great with local talent and added a little bit of Minneapolis blood and. Uh, what do you got going this summer? We got about a minute left with Russ Nelson, head professional at Village Green Golf Course in Morehead. Russ, uh, highlights this summer. What are you looking forward to? Well, some of our tournaments from last year that with the COVID were canceled. So our first uh, open tournament, so to speak, is uh, on June 6th. It's a Sunday. It's a two-person scramble. It's called our anniversary scramble. It's kind of when we opened the, the, the uh, front nine mm-hmm. in 1994, and we started the scramble. And um, these tournaments, the ones in June and July were all postponed or canceled last year because of COVID. So um, that's that's our really only open tournament in, in June. We have a four-person scramble. That's the old Oldsmobile scramble. Oh sure, yep. Date that we have July 11th, and uh, we have a best ball right before the pine, and and uh, a, a two-person scramble on Labor Day Sunday. And so yeah, it's it's kind of our standard set for open tournaments. And then of course they're starting to book the. The outings that we didn't have last year, that's kind of ongoing. That's an ongoing deal through the summer, and, and uh, so we're going to be back to a little more normal. Awesome, Russ. Thanks for the time as usual. Again, uh, congratulations on a great course. We're off to a good start, and uh, best of luck this summer. Thanks, Jeff. See ya. Thanks. That's Russ Nelson, head professional at Village Green Golf Course and more. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Show as presented by Michelob Ultra. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM, 740thefan.com is a website. This show is podcasted on inform.com. Until next week, hit them straight. Thanks for listening to The Golf Show with Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. Oh, wow! In your life have you seen anything like that? Presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Forest Hills, Moorhead Parks, Wildflower Golf Course, and Austeds Golf. Join us next Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. for another edition of The Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on The Fan.